The National Night Out event in Richland County turns into quite the drag earlier this week. We'll talk about it next, along with an Oregon school district that is letting you know that there are more than just two genders, and we'll talk about what the new genders are that we're adding to the spectrum. Dylan Mulvaney is playing his most lucrative role yet. He can come speak on your college campus if the price is right. And Chicago's mayor doesn't really have a problem with the looting and the robbery and the murder. He does have a problem with the way you're characterizing it, though. All of that today on the Palmetto Family Matters Show. And welcome into the Friday edition of the show. Glad you're joining us on the fastest-growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. Justin Hall, Mitch Prosser here with you. It is Friday, August the 4th. It is 10.10 a.m. as of this recording in the year of our Lord, 2023. I went up an octave for that one. Every year, there is a national night out. This is a way for police and cops to get out in the community and create conversation to make sure that they are seen out in the community not with the blue lights on and not pulling you over for a tag light or what have you, making sure they keep a connection with the community in order to foster good relationships. But this got a little sideways in Columbia this weekend, and we won't editorialize on this too much. This is just something you need to be made aware of. You said they had a drag race? No, like, it turned into cops present? it turned into a drag. Uh-oh. There's a con- this according to Watch Fox, Jacob Homan writing the story. There's a controversy brewing in a Columbia, South Carolina community this week. Some are in uproar about a drag show that was part of a national night out event on Tuesday. The annual celebration was started to bring police and the public together to build trust. However, during Tuesday night's event, there was a drag show. And a performer's private parts appeared to be visible due to an issue with their wardrobe. While some are saying they don't like what they saw, authorities are saying nothing illegal took place. (laughs) One woman wanted to remain anonymous but said, quote, I was so appalled that this was a city-sponsored event. The event happened at Hampton Park, right down the road, and was hosted by the Neighborhoods Association. It's something they host every year. The former president of the association, Ty Watts, is also the one who was the drag performer. So the former president of the association is a drag performer and thought it was a good idea to use the National Night Out event where children are present to hang out with the police, thought this would be a good time to do my little dance. Nothing illegal happened. Nothing illegal happened. It's just he came out dressed in drag and parts of his genitalia were showing. Which... With children present. One would argue... As indecent exposure. Is illegal. I don't have kids, someone said, but if I did, I wouldn't want them to ever see anything like that. Watts says, I would have appreciated a little more understanding and a little less jumping to conclusions. What conclusions are to be drawn? Here's the conclusion I'm jumping to. You ready? National Night Out event for children and police. You use that to do a drag show... Your genitalia was present and showing, and kids were present to see it. I mean, and, that's and, the conclusion. And 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 Justin, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say it. And you know, this was 
not that I'm a connoisseur of drag shows or anything like that, but because of our work, we've been introduced to a lot of them over time um, on stage, private. People have sent us, this wasn't even a, I mean, this guy, rough, rough looking dude here. Um, I wasn't even wearing fancy clothes or anything like that. I didn't look at the up-close pictures. I know there were a couple mm-hmm. uh, where people were like highlighting stuff. Um, but I, our, our friend here in Richland County um, didn't even do a really good job of it. So on its merits, I'd say giant F for failure on this. Um, yeah. You know, and, and what I, I hate, to, I, you and I were talking before the show about mm-hmm. the intent here. What, yeah. What's the point? Of doing something like this, I don't really know. Um, yeah, I mean, you dress we can't and drag, climb inside I, his mind. Yeah, I can't. I can't extrapolate a reason for doing this from this person. However, it apparently wasn't expected to happen. He took the opportunity to do this. It's self-aggrandizing. I mean, it, it, yeah. it completely. Drag has nothing to do with National Night Out. Drag has nothing to do with anything. I mean, about it'd be you, like if I'm if I'm a. Oh. I'm so sorry if any of you are out there in the clown community. I'm a former clown. Uh, Someone uh, might say you're a present clown. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, guys, got a great idea for National Night Out. I know we're supposed to be connecting the police with children and making sure everything's okay there, but I'm going to come in and juggle chainsaws. <laughs> that would actually be interesting. <laughs> a lot more interesting than well, I home think, guy. Or- I think there's a there's a line. And the line is, I can understand if it's an event for children, having children-friendly activities, face painting, yeah, uh, cornhole, slip and slides, uh, you know, the blow-up obstacle courses, the shaved ice machine, letting them get a sheriff's sticker. Lexington County did. Lexington County did a national night out, yeah. and these are all the types of pictures like I'm the seeing bounce from houses, there. Yeah, maybe yeah. a fair, a tiny little Ferris wheel, something like a that. Police officer handing out pencils and badges. That makes sense. Uh, uh, What's the guy with the big muscles that used to be on the uh, live PD or whatever? Oh, uh, uh, Dano? The, yeah, the, the cardboard cutout of something. him. Something. Or yeah. Danny Brown. Yeah, or like actually there. You know, something like that. Something no. kid-friendly. No. I'm going to let you in <laughs> on a little secret. Drag is not kid-friendly. Well, we, well, see, that's where it, there is a segment. There is a segment of the population who believes that it is. In fact, we were introduced um, strongly to that segment of the population last year at the famously hot Pride Festival, which, uh, by the way, if you haven't gotten your tickets... Um, it's actually up, free. You don't need tickets. Oh, you don't need tickets. It's coming in October. Yeah, the debauchery is out in the open and free. Um, wow. Uh, so we were introduced to a group of people, a uh, very loud, vocal, um, angry. Is that fair? It's fair. I angry group of people who I can't look on I can't find who, it. Oh uh I do believe it's for children. October twentieth. Friday, October twentieth is the SC Pride Parade and Festival at Soda City Market. Um and then October twenty first is Saturday. That's the actual famously hot. I wonder how many Pride politicians Festival. will use the famously hot There's no Pride there's Festival no there's no camp there's no campaign. Don't worry. There's there's not an election this year. In twenty twenty three. No, there ain't no election this year. And we'll do that. You don't think That's any- all we have for that oh, segment. Oh, of the show. come on. Sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut that off before it goes any further. Now, a story from the Daily Caller News Foundation. 
An Oregon school district yeah, is teaching go. 10th grade students a variety of gender identities. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yes, agender, non-binary. We're actually starting to get kind of fluid in what these mean. Yeah, gender sure. fluid, well, that's another one. 1971 Diet Coke machine. These identities, such as metagender. Oh, and they're also teaching them the difference between sexual orientation and romantic orientation. Well, naturally. In a sexual education curriculum for 10th graders, Hillsboro School District, which is the fourth largest school district in Oregon, teaches students that sexual orientation, which is who you're attracted to physically, and romantic orientation, one to whom you are romantically attracted to, are separate and do not need to correlate. The curriculum created by teachers and counselors, teaches students the definitions of panromantic and demiromantic as different types of romantic orientation. The curriculum defines panromantic as someone who is romantically attracted to someone regardless of gender and defines demiromantic as when one doesn't feel romantic attraction until a close bond is formed. Stop right there. Panromantic is someone who is remote, romantically attracted to someone regardless of gender. We used to call that bisexual. That was the term. Okay. Okay? That was the term. Well, Right or wrong, would, that was the term. That would assume in your cis-normative world that there are only two. Bi. LGB, LGBT. Lesbian. Gay. Uh, oops. Demiromantic. Let me run this by you one more time. Is when is defined as when one doesn't feel romantic attraction until a close bond is formed. I like demiglaze on like. So, wait, I'm confused. Chicken. I'm not trying to make fun of this. I'm just really confused. You don't feel <laughs> a romantic attraction one. until a close bond is formed. Isn't that like Normal. human? Normal, uh, uh, right? I mean, when I don't, my wife didn't have a close. I uh, didn't didn't have probably a romantic attraction to me until a close bond was formed. And she definitely didn't see me. It was like, oh my gosh, right? It wasn't love at first sight for her. I don't think so. The curriculum, <laughs> Not for my wife either. The curriculum gives students three examples, three examples, of how gender identity, sex assigned at birth, gender expression, sexual orientation, and romantic orientation can all be different and work together. My gosh, we're creating problems. One example shows an individual named Cece who uses she, her pronouns, identifies as female, has male genitalia, and is both sexually and romantically attracted to men. So it's a gay man named Cece. But <laughs> is just confused enough to say that he is a woman. Another example Sounds familiar. Another example shows an individual named Joey who uses he him pronouns, identifies as male, has male genitalia, and is not attracted to men, women, or other genders, either sexually or romantically. So it's a male who who has male genitalia, male. but he's not attracted to anybody. <laughs> A third, uh, hold on, hold on, there were three. A third example explains an individual named Casey. Casey uses they, them pronouns, is intersex, has both a masculine and feminine gender expression, and is not attracted to men, women, or other genders, either sexually or romantically. So would watch football, but also go see Barbie? I don't know. Here's the issue. And, and I, I don't claim to have a corner on any sense of sanity. I, like, I, 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 would, I would put myself in the same camp 
but maybe on the fringe of that camp. <laughs> Here's the problem. Here's we the have point. a bunch of overeducated fools who are trying to perpetuate not... Justin, it's almost as if they've made this stuff up. It's made up. Our comprehensive sexuality education curriculum was created by teachers and counselors in collaboration with and adapting resources from the state of Oregon. There's your problem. Local community organizations and curriculum publishers, a Hillsborough School District spokesperson told the DCNF. You can find a list of the CSE lessons and the Oregon Health Education Standards they meet on our website. Our teachers must teach the standards and are given training and support to do so. However, if they do not feel comfortable or confident in delivering these lessons, they can request that other trained staff members do so on their behalf. Students are also taught different pronouns aside from she, her, and he, him, including neutral pronouns such as zzer. It's like he, him, but with a z. And they, them. The sexual education curriculum teaches students that they can have gender identities that don't align with their biological sex, including but not limited to... It's like the end of a job application. These are the quali- These are the the requirements of the job. They References are- available upon request. Yeah. <laughs> also, other duties as assigned. These the biological sex gender does not align with biological sex up to but not limited to metagender, a person who identifies as neither cisgender nor transgender. What is cisgender? That's made up. That's normal. That's Genesis chapter three. And gender fluid which is identified as an identity that varies over time. You know, you can just wear a different bracelet. Students learn different romantic orientation definitions, including biromantic, which is when one person is romantically attracted to multiple genders. Again, that is bisexual, where I come from. And aromantic, which is defined as someone who experiences little to no romantic attraction. In 2015, Oregon enacted Aaron's Law, requiring schools to teach age-appropriate sexual abuse prevention programs in K-12. That then led to this. The Hillsborough School District sexual education curriculum also teaches about how oppression leads to microaggressions and implicit bias and prejudice and rape culture. The curriculum details the four eyes of oppression. The four, Mitch, you know, we don't know what the four eyes of oppression are. Ideological oppression, institutional oppression, internalized oppression, and interpersonal oppression. There's your four eyes for your sermon on Sunday. Throughout the country, parents, school boards, and lawmakers are debating how to address gender identity and sexuality topics in the classroom. A Colorado school district encourages physical ed teachers to don LGBTQ pride gear. In California, a school district voted unanimously in June to adopt a resolution encouraging schools to adopt lessons on gender identity and sexual orientation. Wow. I want to go back real quick. Just, just make sure we understand this that they are teaching students in these public schools that you can be romantically attracted to someone regardless of their gender. You can identify as whatever you want. Listen, your parents tell you... I saw a video last night on social media. Someone shared it. I forget who. This young girl, she's probably 14. She's got a rainbow flag cape, and she's got a bullhorn, and she announces that her... She's she's uh, she's a boy, and her name is Heath or something. I forget what name she uses. But at home, her mom uses her dead name, mm. and she her pronouns for her. And you don't understand how unsafe she feels in her home. Mm-hmm. I I hear that. I hear that sometimes. You know that. Ultimately, there's a lack of identity here. You think and. And the only my, my heart begins to break the more you read, 
at first it sounds you know comical but we're dealing with people's lives here um human beings image bearers made in the image of god and that's the only place that we'll ever find true satisfaction in our identity is that we are image bearers of a god that loves us that created us uniquely with a design and he created us male and female and he created us to uh, bring him glory. I mean, and and what, you know, bring maybe a little bit of lightheartedness back into this, crawl out of the, the, the demi-glaze or whatever, uh, demi-whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple years ago, uh, do you remember, and I don't know, because I, I don't hang around with people that identify this way all that often, um, do you remember when the vegan thing was a really big deal and, like, people are like, I'm vegan, um, I'm like, I do CrossFit. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> so, like they wear a sign. It's a personality trait. They, they wear a sign. Yeah, uh, we usually a CrossFit T-shirt, really tight T-shirt, and vegan people just Mediums. Know, walk around sad. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> so, uh, but there was this article that came out about vegan, or, or maybe not even vegan, maybe vegetarians mm-hmm. that were not calling themselves vegetarians anymore. They were calling themselves flexitarians. So, and that, 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 this article from Oregon reminded me of that. And flexitarian was a term that uh, self identified flexitarians came up with to describe their urge for bacon. They, they enjoyed eating bacon, but still considered themselves to be vegetarians. Mm-hmm. And so we can still be vegetarian, but just a slight bent on that will be flexitarians because every once in a while, we eat bacon. No, no. That just means you're normal, okay? And and people are always trying to find identity somewhere. Right. And purpose, you know, goes to the big question, the three big questions people ask. Who am I? What do I what do I mean? What do I and how do I belong? Um and so as we work through that, um we're going to continue to get this kind of confusion so long as the altar of confusion is at the helm of much of this discussion. And so I think it's, it, it is a must for Christians to continue to speak into this in a way that not only brings clarity and we make a lot, I think we make some light of it, but you know, uh, you have to, you have to, or else you, you want to cry. Um, but I think we've got to speak sincerely into it, especially on that one-on-one basis with people uh, who are confused because we're, we've got an entire generation of, of people uh, mm-hmm. growing up who will be confused. Even those who are raised by loving parents, you know, in a nuclear traditional biblical home that will, because of the cultural shift and influence that we're facing, they will be confused at some point. I'm not saying they're going to be, um, you know, uh, I can't remember the terms now. They're not... I'm not saying that, but I am saying that they're going to be confused at some point by what they see around them. Right. So, speaking of confusion, you remember Dylan Mulvaney? Uh, he's back, he's back from Peru. Does he feel safe here again? Mulvaney posted an advertisement to his Instagram story last week encouraging students to contact his booking agent with serious inquiries. University and college friends, he says, I am booking speaking opportunities for the upcoming 2023-2024 school year and would love to come visit. His agent, Krista Spadafore, confirmed to the new guard that Mulvaney's honorarium, which 
honorarium is how much you're yeah, paid to right. come speak. This is the baseline. If you're ho- hosting an event, this is how much you pay the person to come speak. Mm-hmm. How much? I, I I have not seen this. I have no idea. Don't I'm, overshoot it because you'll ruin it. I'm going to say $25,000. His honorarium is $40,000. Nearly twice as much as it was a few months ago when at the University of Pittsburgh in a one-off speech it was $26,250. Okay. In the, sin, in the time since, obviously, Mulvaney's sponsorship deal with Bud Light has literally crushed the, <laughs> the, the brand. According to Mulvaney's booking page, he can speak on several topics, Mitch. Including brand L- LGBTQIA plus advocacy. Okay. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay. And this twenty-something year. How old is Dylan Mulvaney? Before I go any further, how old is Dylan Mulvaney? Let me let me just really. I, this probably should have been done in show prep. Yeah. We. Dylan you know. Mulvaney is twenty-six years old. <gasps> Dylan Mulvaney was born December 29th, nineteen ninety-six. He's no spring chicken. He's twenty-six. He's almost three years younger than I am. This twenty-six-year-old man. One of his topics that he can speak on. Women's empowerment. Now, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt just yes. signed an executive order protecting women's only spaces, women's restrooms, women's locker rooms, etc. And one of the Democratic leaders in their state house said that it was laughable that a man was trying to define what a woman is. Shoe on other foot. Dylan Mulvaney, man, says he can speak on women's empowerment. What uh, if the... Oklahoma governor identified as a woman, he would then have the authority to say whatever he wanted, right? Yes. Oh, okay. So Dylan Mulvaney is... So as long as you're deranged, you have authority? Well, we would see it as deranged or mentally unstable. or part of the DSM-4 and clinically diagnosed dysphoria. But it's normal. It's normal now. Yeah, this is normal. Speaking of normalizing things, final, final topic on the show today. You're almost done. You're almost there, guys. But wait, You're there's almost more. there. Let Chicago has a new mayor. You mean Lori? Lori Lori Lightfoot is no longer the mayor. She's she lost watching, her primary, but she's still watching you. She lost her primary. Huge. She lost her primary. Brandon Johnson is now the mayor of Chicago. Cool. Yeah, great. He's got a tough task. Not easy being mayor of Chicago. <laughs> Not easy. There were some serious issues over the weekend, shocking, <laughs> in Chicago, Almost where every massive, weekend, massive amounts of people, young people, were raiding gas stations, robbing vehicles, destroying cars. So a news reporter in a press gaggle looting. asked Mayor Brandon Johnson about this. Here is the actual news clip from CBS News Chicago. That's CBS 2. In Chicago. Here, here's that full clip. Take a look. That's not appropriate. We're not talking about mob actions. I didn't say that. What, what I, okay, what I'm... Hold on a second, okay? Respectfully. These large gatherings... These large gatherings... Just hold on a second, y'all. I promise you, we have time to talk. It's important that we speak of these dynamics in an appropriate way. This is not to obfuscate what is actually taking place. 
This was the scene near Roosevelt and Canal Sunday night. Groups looted a convenience store. More than three dozen teenagers were arrested along with a 12-year-old and at least one 20-year-old. Store owners say it was the second such incident in that area in just the past few weeks. And today, Mayor Johnson commended Chicago police for the way they handled it. To the best of their ability, I believe that they attempted to engage with our young people, with community partners, giving as much warning as they possibly could. And, you know, unfortunately, arrests, you know, were made. Unfortunately, arrests were made. Now, really quick, I want to go back to the start of that clip. The report, one of the reporters asks about the mob violence, and Mayor Johnson has an extreme problem with that. This was not a mob. How dare you call it a mob? These were, uh, this was just a large gathering. It's a bunch of kids. A large out. gathering is a graduation. A large gathering is a, is a party. A large gathering is a wedding. A large gathering is a football game on a Saturday night. Need I go back to 2020? Now, would he call, hold on, hold on, would he call what happened on January 6, 2021 a large gathering? He would call that an, an insurrectionist riot that tore at the very seat of American democracy. But this, where they're looting gas stations, I love that look on your face because I know you want to say something. The, they're looting gas stations... They're wreaking havoc in the streets, and you dare to say it's a large gathering. I love the reporter goes, but they caused violence. Like, they caused destruction. And he's like, listen, we're not obfuscating the problem. And then at the end, to say, our police officers tried to engage with with these with community partners. Stop! And unfortunately, arrests were made. i tell you who made. needs to engage with them. Some mamas and grandmas whooping their tails. No, no, not just mothers and grandmothers. Fathers. Well, I was getting there, but, you know... Fathers. The swift hand of justice that used to correct, you know, I, we're talking children. They said one as young as 12. But 12 to cap, 20. The cap was 20? 12 to 20. These teenagers. children. Teenagers, yeah. Yeah. Teenager, yeah. but 13. 13's young. Yeah. 13's a freshman I mean, in high school. Yeah. Perspective changes. That's a child. Uh, it blows my mind that there's no, there's no authority outside of police present. There's no father figure. There's no alderman, that, because that's how they operate with, like, councilmen and that sort of thing. There's no father figure, mother figure. There's no one, apparently no one present, and we're letting kids literally rule the streets in some sort of gangs of Chicago. I almost said New York, but, Same. you know, we, we got kids out... And literally, it's gang violence, whether they are throwing up bloods and crypt signs or not, wearing red and blue bandanas. It is, it, it is children running the candy store. And, you know, looting is built into the bottom line here, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so what? They knocked, out, knocked over a CVS. So what? They stole candy bars and alcohol and, you know... Uh, Ketchup bottles. Who cares? Because that's if if you own a business in Chicago, that's got to be built into your bottom line. Because these were just gatherings of people. In oh, we are being run by overeducated fools. The problem here, as we've seen in Chicago, I, I pulled up crime statistics for the week of July twenty fourth through July thirtieth. In those seven days, in those seven days, 13 murders. 
So two a day. Two people a day killed in the city of Chicago. 49 cases of criminal sexual assault. 222 cases of robbery. That's up 27% from a year ago. Uh, aggravated battery was down by 6%, but still 132 charges of, a, of aggravated battery, 121 charges of burglary, 465 thefts, 607, 607 motor vehicle thefts. There were only 54 shooting incidents, however, which is down 35% from which a year ago. pause, and, and some local, local personalities, and I won't go into all the details, it gives pause to any business who wants to come into a municipality or city and do business, whether it's a mom-and-pop joint selling hot dogs on the corner or whether it's a big, corp, big corp acne. Yeah. It, it matters. The other issue here that is, is so prevalent in these largely progressive-run cities, mm-hmm. uh, almost singularly progressive-run cities, is not only the crime and violence that occurs as a result of, uh, you know, what the lawlessness being perpetuated here, but also the increasingly high, and I mean that, exponentially increasingly high taxes. So what you're doing is you're having devolution, not evolution. And I don't mean like creation versus evolution. Evolution, which would naturally work upward, versus devolution, which naturally works downward. What you're seeing in these cities, and some very close to home, where you are... Not only seeing crime increase, but also taxes. So what that what that means is businesses run, they flee, and you can call it whatever you want. And I won't use any terms from the '60s and '70s, and even into the '80s and '90s. But what what happens is those businesses and families have to leave because they can't afford to li- live there anymore. Then what happens, Justin? The people that stay are stuck with even higher tax bills, and the demand. And uh, for for more revenue from the government only increases. It's it's a downward perpetuating cycle that that at some point reaches critical mass and right. just it completely implodes. All of that creates unrest. You know, the hottest summer in the last one hundred and twenty thousand years. Mm-hmm. You can't count to one hundred twenty thousand. No, I mean, like I'm not saying you can't. I'm sure you could. That take a long well. time. Just imagine 120,000 years, which I'm a young earth guy. Um, no no bones about it. I think God created the earth in six little days and rested on the seventh. Mm-hmm. These crimes occur hot days. Why? Yeah. Because people get agitated. They can't sit in the, they can't sit in the air conditioning for too long because they, they may not even have air conditioning. So it, I was in Chicago last year in a hundred. Uh, there was literally a day when it was one hundred and ten degrees, and your air conditioner ain't going to keep up with that. What you going to do? Your air conditioner doesn't keep up with that here. So what are you going to do? You're going to go out on the street. Well, in the inner city, what's going to happen? People shot. agitated, irritated, crime. There are a couple of uh, of things that we want to close with. Obviously, as we try to present these things from a biblical worldview, just a couple of things here. We mentioned fathers. Uh, Solomon in Proverbs 22.6 writes, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. In Proverbs 13.24, he says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Um, I have no greater joy, the Apostle John writes, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. 
Ephesians 6, 4, Paul warns fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Solomon also writes in Proverbs that the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. The lack lack of good fathers in today's society, because we we see marriage as an inconvenience by and large in society, Marriage is not something that has to happen in order for children to be sired, in order for the world to exist. We don't see marriage as a good thing. Fathers don't see the need to raise their children. And so children, God loved the single moms and the grandmas who are, who are filling roles. There's a reason why God created marriage between a man and a woman. Sexual difference, but also different giftings and the ability to raise a child the best scenario for a child is a father and a mother. That's not to say that single mothers or single fathers can't do the job. I'm not saying that at all. Please hear me. The best situation for a child is a mother and a father, in not only in the home, but engaged in the child's life. Yeah. And that's the problem we see by and large in, I'll just be frank, in certain demographics, there's the lack of fatherhood, and everyone knows that, and it's not a shock, and it's not something that's unheard of. It's been, a, it's been the case since LBJ's New Deal mm-hmm. back in the late 60s, where they went to people's homes and asked, is, 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 there, a, is there a male in the home? Oh, no? Well, here you go. So, maybe this is an interesting way to end today, and you bring up this. I love this, um, and I've, I've been a strong proponent of fathers in the home for years uh, ever since I became one uh, almost 12 years ago, um, and even before that in ministry, the very last verse, to, verse of the Old Testament, Malachi 4, 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me read verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord, of the Lord comes. And he will, verse 6, turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. In other words, (laughs) if families are dissolved, fathers are no longer present, and I don't mean just like there, but actively present, and they are not actively pursuing the hearts of their children and children are inclined to pursue the heart of their father because they love him. And this is not to discount the mother. Mm-hmm. But if that nuclear biblical family is not present, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter, utter destruction. The family matters. And that's why, I mean, the name of this show, Palmetto family matters and we understand it's a play on words but we believe that the family matters and when the family is dissolved and destroyed we're going to have drag night we're going to have <laughs> meta gender and demi romantic mm-hmm. ideology pushed Dylan Mulvaney will be a celebrity right. because of the confusion he perpetuates and we'll call them mostly peaceful riots in the streets of Chicago, and just groups of people hanging out. Anything we can. The enemy wants to do everything he can to, number one, harm the very image of God, and that's who we're created in. 
So that's number one. Number two, as you said, to to harm the family unit is is the second level. That's all the time we have on today's show. We appreciate you joining us here on this Friday. A couple of things for you to take note of. Number one, every Friday we send out an email newsletter recapping the week that was and 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 telling you everything that we're doing here at Palmetto Family. So if you want to be involved in that and if you want to get that every week, you can do that. Go to palmettofamily.org, fill out the form at the bottom of the page. You can sign up for our email newsletter number two. We have great shows coming for you over the next couple of weeks, including next Wednesday. Be prepared. Next Wednesday will be only sports. And everyone cringes. No, really, only sports. Jake Crane of Crane & Company, the sports show on the Daily Wire, will be joining us on Wednesday afternoon. We're excited for that. That's going to be a great time. Are you going to get to talk Gamecock football with him? I'm going to talk Gamecock football. I'm going to talk Clemson football. Yeah. I'm going to talk college football at large. I'm going to talk Major League Baseball. All right. It's so we can a, talk about football, gonna, Braves baseball. I'm going to nerd, man. I'm telling you. Are we going to talk about women's national soccer? No. Well, okay. um, if, well, they might lose on Sunday against <clears> Sweden. <throat> um, but we'll be talking to him. It's going to be a great show. We're excited about that. We're working with presidential candidates right now, trying to get them in the door, trying to work things out with their schedules to get them on our candidate conversations. Mitch just wrapped up an interview yesterday with a pastor from the Upstate, so the Beyond the Walls show will be coming to you very soon. We're excited about the folks that we're having on to discuss how to engage Christians to share their faith beyond the walls of th- their church here in South Carolina. It's, it's going to be a great series, and we're looking forward to uh, bringing that to you. So there's plenty going on here at Palmetto Family if you want to invest in the work we're doing because that's the only way we're able to continue to do these things. This show cannot happen if you aren't investing in Palmetto Family. So if you want to do that, go to palmettofamily.org, click on that Invest tab. You can choose a one-time gift, recurring monthly. We like the recurring gifts. Recurring monthly, yearly, whatever you want to do. We appreciate it. And again, that's the only reason, (laughs) that is the only reason this show is able to stay on your airwaves is because of the generous support from viewers like you. Wow. Until next week, for our entire staff at Palmetto Family, Mitch Prosser, Justin Hall, signing off on the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Show. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys on Monday.